How can the Buffalo Bills limit this revolutionary Miami Dolphins offense in week four? I'm joined by coach Cody Alexander to discuss that very thing today on Locked on Bills. You are locked on Bills. Your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate you all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm joined now by Cody Alexander, who has authored six books on defense. He's the founder of Match Quarters, has plenty of high-level coaching experience on the defensive side of the football, and he consistently shows us his work through his content. And Cody, I got to tell you what, I'm glad you're here because all week long, I have and will continue to face questions about what the Buffalo Bills can do defensively to limit this outstanding Miami Dolphins offense. And very excited to pick your brain today and hear your ideas. So, Cody, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, glad to be on here. Thank you very much. So, Cody, Sean McDermott was asked about this Miami Dolphins offense. We we know what's going on there. They scored 70 against Denver, 36 against the Chargers in week one. They feel like a juggernaut. And Sean McDermott used the word revolutionary twice to describe what Miami is doing offensively. So let's start there. Do you agree that it is a revolutionary offense? And if so, what are the components that makes it revolutionary? Yeah, I think what he's combined is I, and I have personal experience with this uh, kind of my background. I started out at the, at the college level coaching under Art Bryles and Phil Bennett at Baylor. And so I saw that offense, which I still think is one of the best offenses at the college level and what it looked like from a sense of getting guys that run track to be able to run football, uh, to be able to play the game at a high level. And because we've had this experience, this experiment over and over again, just go look at the Raiders draft when Al Davis was there. They get away. We get an Olympic draft pick. Right. And they put him on the football field. Problem was he had no change of direction. So when you go out and you recruit uh, at the college level, you're looking for kids that they are really excellent football players, but then they also have this top end track speed. And what we're seeing with the Dolphins in their roster building is not only are they getting football players, but these guys are so fast. Every single player that they have can do their job really well, but then on top of that is also fast. I think what's even more revolutionary is the fact that they are doing this all out of 21 personnel. And defensively, that really messes with you. I think what they are, they are the sports car version of the 49ers. I think the 49ers are your good old, it's your Chevy, it's your Ford pickup truck. It's really nice. It looks beautiful. It's really expensive, right? They, you know, everything's good. And then you have over here in Miami, they leaned into Miami. This is a Ferrari. This is a Lamborghini. We're trying to go as fast as we possibly can while we also have, we're, you know, 
we're still street legal, right? We can still drive on street. It's in the race car. You know, we don't look good on a, on a, on an oval track. And I think to me, that's where the revolutionary part is. It's taking these schemes. He's willing to do. Uh, I was talking to an offense coordinator friend of mine at the high school level, and he he was talking about McDaniel's and why he likes McDaniel's because a lot of NFL coaches because of the money are very close, are closed minded. They don't want to get out of their box. This is kind of what I've always done. I don't want to take chances. He's saying, who cares? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that to me is where the revolutionary part is coming from. So listening to Mike McDaniel's press conference on Wednesday, and he was asked about the roster construction and of course, admitting like, yeah, we like fast players, but he called them football technicians, right? Not just fast guys, but guys that understand football and uh, how to execute their assignments process on the fly, right? So it's there's a difference between just being a fast guy but also being a football technician. I like that phrase from Coach McDaniel listening to him this morning. Um, so one of my big questions in considering this Dolphins offense this year was seeing Mike McDaniel's counterpunch because last year it had these moments. Now they didn't score 70. Nobody scores 70, right? That hasn't happened since like 1964. Um, but what was the counterpunch going to be? Because – Last year, they had some big, big games, but there are also times where it just didn't feel like the offense was as effective. There was some blueprints put out there that shut them down, and they've had a year to kind of regroup and reconsider some of their wrinkles. How have you seen this offense evolve year over year, and what's making it that much more difficult to defend right now? I just think that it's it, people need to understand, too, like this system, when you're going to do something new, and you're doing something novel and you're doing something that is going to be um, a little bit different. It takes, it takes some time. You had two a hurt last year. Then you have him come back. You had some other teams were able to kind of play some different ways, really forced to it to throw outside the numbers, uh, which he's doing such an excellent job this year that he wasn't necessarily doing last year's throwing beyond, uh, beyond the line, you know, 10 yards down. And, and I, from going, back to last year when everybody was with Tyree Kill running down and Tua's throwing that pass and it looks like a shot duck and everybody's like he can't throw past 10 yards like what what are they going to do with Tyree Kill and then this year you go and you watch it um, and you just see it's a different feel I think everybody's on the same page I think they they understand who Tua is I think they understand the personnel that they have I think using um, I think they're smart with the way they use Hill uh, and this is all without Waddle. Waddle hadn't even been there. So they don't even have the top blower uh, that they have that they've typically been able to have. Uh, so to me, that that is where you're seeing a difference this year. They're really leaning into that multiplicity within their 21 personnel and really challenging defenses to think outside the box when they defend them. Yeah, I think one of my big takeaways from watching Tua year over year is, is what you're saying. They're a mastery of the offense and what they want to be. And of course, that comes with an understanding from the coaching staff of exactly what he is as a player. But I think from a footwork perspective, his ability to read and process pre-snap and turn that into good post-snap decisions and rapid post-snap decisions based on the leverage that this offense creates and the speed behind it, that's what makes it the juggernaut, right? And you've got a bunch of guys on the same page, year two of the system. You know, the, the arrow's just pointing up with what they're doing. Yeah, and you go and you look. I think the Chargers were a great example of looking at it year to year. I thought the Chargers last year probably had the best game plan 
of any team that I saw. He would run two man to one side. He would leverage everything. They would cut off inside routes, force everything out to the it, it, to the sideline. And then you go and you look at their game against the Chargers this year, and it just looks completely. They had answers for everything. You know, Staley. I, I don't know what in the first half they were just trying to play defense. And then it was like, okay, now we need to start using some game plan situation stuff, which uh, the, the biggest uh, misconception in all of probably fandom in terms of what goes on at halftime is there is no, Hey, we're reworking the defense or we're reworking the offense. The halftime adjustments are literally their tweaks or, Hey, we called this, this isn't working. Let's get it out. Or, Hey, let's move a guy around or, Hey, let's start doubling this or doing this that we already have in the game plan. Uh, but I think what they do uh, really well is if you are just going to give free access to space, they are going to take it and then they are going to punish you because they're faster than you. You mentioned 21 personnel is one of the key ingredients that makes this difficult. And for those that might not be familiar, that's two running backs, one tight end on the field. So you have this 21 personnel dynamic and then everyone's talking about the motion and the frequency of the motion and the types of motion that Miami's running. And so can you explain for the listeners, what about 21 personnel, the motion, the types of motion and the frequency of the motion that just really makes this hard to deal with? Yeah. So the first thing is package. Uh, you have to pick a package you want to play with. If, if, and this is the same issue that you have with the 49ers, right? Is that if I'm going to play with a light package, I'm going to go with a nickel package. I'm going to have a true uh, def- a coverage corner. The problem that you have in that sense is that that cover corner is going to have to play in the box, right? So now they're just going to pound you with that. They're going to pound him. They're going to make him. They're going to use motion to get him in the box or to get him moving so he's out of the way and create space. Then you say, okay, well, we'll go big nickel. We'll go with three safeties. We'll drop a safety down there, and it will our, our tight end guy that we all normally drop down there, that's what we're going to do. Okay, well, if again, if they can handle, the tight end can handle that on a pass blocking, we're fine. If he can't, remember, we've got a fullback in the backfield that now you've created an extra gap and an extra blocker. You use motion to create space, and you get guys to move where you want. I think where they're really creative this year that's different is they've kind of taken from arena football those I call them burst motions you typically see motion in or across that's fast Uh, you do see fast motion out I call it push motion it's usually from the backfield but you don't usually ever see it really quickly and it goes and what they're trying to make you do is get into a too high shell so that they can run the ball or take what you're giving them coverage wise, whether it's cover two, whether it's quarters, whether even it's cover three, and they're going to make you get into a zone situation and they're going to hit you in the zone and then they're going to run away from you. And that to me is where they are really, really good, which is I called spatial Darwinism. And that's the age that we are in. If you can understand space and you can understand how to create it offensively, or you can understand how to constrain it defensively, that's where your best coordinators and best football minds are sitting right now. It's all about space. Space, leverage, Miami certainly doing a great job of that. And so now here's it's time for the hard questions, Cody. Now it's time for you to tell us how to stop this offense. So if you were crafting the defensive game plan against the Dolphins, what were what would be some of your keys for success and foundation of the plan? Keeping in mind, we're going to get Bill specific here in just a moment, but what are some of those core principles of a game plan that you think are required to be successful to limit this offense. 
you have to have somebody cutting Tyreek Hill off opposite the field. I, I think teams get in trouble when they start strong rotation cover three or they run country cover three coverages where you're, say you have a true down safety uh, and he's down near the box. I think, uh, like, for instance, I think of uh, the Cowboys uh, in their cover three scheme of how they always have a guy down by the line of scrimmage. They always are going to have an eight-man box. The problem that you have with with Miami is that they love running Y cross, which is an air raid scheme that has trickled up and has taken over every level of football. It's trickled down into high school. It's trickled up in the NFL. I mean, you have whole offensive coordinators that their entire playbook is Y cross just out of different formations and motions and, and scheming things up. So what you, what you get in cover three is your, even your vertical hook player. So your player that has to climb typically is going to be a linebacker. If you're running traditional cover three, there is not a linebacker, even Fred Warner with the 49ers. There's not a linebacker in the NFL that can contain Tyree Kill by just going vertical and trying to cut him off. So what you've seen success with, especially like last year, is teams with weak rotation being able to cut Tyree Kill off. Now, you are now going to have to deal with like Waddle, for instance. If Waddle's playing, now you're going to have to deal with his speed, his vertical speed, and the things that he can do there. Um, I thought what the Dolphins did really well is – in certain game plans, you will see the Chargers started cutting off the middle of the field. So what did they do? They started using Tyree Kill out on the edge and letting him run vertical, getting him in wheel routes. That's where the motions come in. And so to me, you have – I thought the Patriots had a decent plan. They had the three high safeties, and they basically were playing five across. We saw the Vikings attempt to do it against the Eagles. I thought they had a good plan. But when you turn the ball over four times and the Eagles can just run the ball – you can't, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. But I, I think we're starting to see some defenses. I don't think we're going to go to college where if you watch college football at all, the three high system is like king right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to go to that. Uh, but I do think three high system in terms of safeties, high first, leveraging, rotating, getting your cutoffs depending on where those are, maybe a five man front up front to plug the gaps and really make that zone run scheme work. So you mentioned some of the, opponents already to this point and i'd love to focus in on the chargers and the patriots the chargers if i'm not mistaken played 80 percent man coverage against miami which seems like a choice right i mean especially yes. with some of the answers they had last year for that to be their counterpunch this year seems crazy to me so i'd love to get your thoughts on that but then also new england who limited right to the, the, the dolphins at 24 points you feel good about that right now if you can keep them to 24 and i thought bill belichick like you mentioned the three safeties five across, wanting to just make it a red zone game and say, hey, when it gets to the condensed, condensed area of the fields, we'll use, we'll use the back line of the end zone as our extra defender and, you know, really count on trying to get some stops there. And, you know, you're going to get your yards, but we think we can get some stops in the red zone. Uh, your thoughts on those game plans? Denver Denver didn't have any anything. Denver was playing base defense and Come just on, never right. adjusted. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and you look at uh, the one of the funniest things is when you look at um, the the chart for Tyree Kill in Denver, and it's just in routes, in routes from the left, in routes from the right, and they never adjusted coverage. Uh, they never had an answer for crack toss. Uh, leverage, like you talk about leverage, le- they never leverage. So what I thought with the Chargers is they took their game plan that they used last year and they said, okay, we did really well when we played heavy inside leverage we forced everything outside, make to a throw outside. And what you saw from the Dolphins was as they kind of 
a poke and prod. I call it, it, it to me, I, I tweeted it out the other day. It's guerrilla warfare. They're attacking you, attacking you, attacking you. If it does, if it, if it works, they keep going, but if it doesn't, they're just going to fall back and they're going to try it. And then they're going to attack you in a different space. They're going to make you constantly have to figure out where you're going to cover. It's not like you can sit there and you can say, okay, well, we're on cover three here, but then we'll change up on cover two on this down or, Hey, this is a passing down. Cause what, what they'll do too, is they, they just want to attack space. So if you're going to give them space in the run game there, I mean, with, with most certain a chain, those guys are track guys. I mean, a chains, I'm from Texas. So I I've known the a chain name for a long time. Cause I, I, when I coached high school ball, I also did track. So like, that guy's fast. He's a, he's a track runner. So you, you get that to where you start poking and prodding. They have that guerrilla warfare. I thought, again, the chargers really thought they could handle it like they did the year before the dolphins were able to switch focus. And then when you play man, it becomes a, you know, it, it's cat coverage to use a word from saving. It's, it's cat coverage, right? It's your cat versus my cat and who's better. And nobody has a defense that's as fast as they are on, on, on offense. I think then you go look at the Patriots. The Patriots played what I call mitigating defense, right? They're just mitigating as much risk as they possibly can pre-snap. And then they are going to live with you gaining four, five, six yards here. But when we get in the red zone, now we can really hunker down. If we can get a tackle for loss, we can get you in a third and long. Now we can use some of our game plan stuff. But other than that, we're going to have to sit there and we're going to have to play bend and don't break defense and we're going to force you to kick field goals. I think when you play an offense like this that is so highly explosive, they're used to scoring. If you can frustrate them, they'll make mistakes because they're going to press at some point. But you have to capitalize on those when you do make when, when they do make those mistakes. Folks, I may have a beard, but I still have to shave. Can't be having neck beard. You can't be having the cheek fuzz or that just looks sloppy. And my go-to for a great shave at a great price is a razor from Harry's delivered right to my front door. I've really enjoyed using Harry's razors and you got to check out their starter set. Head on over to harrys.com slash NFL and you can get a starter set for just $3. It includes a five blade German engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. And Harry's makes skin products as well, skincare products that will give you the best shave ever. They have creams, washes, and lotions that will keep your skin healthy and hydrated. And folks, their razors are super sharp. The eighth shave with a razor is just as sharp as the first. There's simply no reason not to try Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction rating in the shaving industry, and they're offering a no-risk trial. So get the best shave ever with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set. For just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. Folks, got to tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is the funnest, easiest, quickest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is awesome. It's just you versus the numbers. It's not you versus thousands of other players, including pros and including sharks. It's just you versus the numbers. All you do is select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry doesn't take long. You can make an entry in under a minute. And when you win, the withdrawals are super quick and super easy. Love watching football. Love it even more when I have a prize picks entry going into the game. It just makes it that much more exciting. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. 
All right, so we're going to talk about how you frustrate the Dolphins' offense here in just a moment. But, Cody, you've shared a lot of information to this point. I've already mentioned that you're one of my favorite resources out there to learn more about the game. And I get questions from Bills fans all the time that are like, how do I learn more? And I've pointed them in the direction of your work. You've written books. You've got a Patreon, Match Quarters. Tell everyone about where they can keep up with more of what you have going on so they can become better students of the game. Yeah, so like you said, you can find all my six books on Amazon. You just type in Match Quarters. In fact, all social media, uh, most major ones, Instagram, I'm on uh, TikTok, I'm on uh, YouTube, I'm on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is the only one that doesn't have Match Quarters in it. Um, so if you are interested in anything, I encourage you go to matchquarters.com, click on the archive. That's every single article I've ever written. Um, I switched over a couple years to Substack, so matchquarters.substack.com. If you go there, put your email, put your email in there. Uh, you'll get you'll get articles. I try and do a free article every week, but the deep dive stuff, if you really want to learn, it's as much as a cup of coffee. I, and I try and keep it low. I could charge more, but I don't. I try and keep it low. It's a cup of coffee a month. Uh, that's all I ask. Um, and, and to me, what I do differently than what other people in this space is I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not in terms of I'm not trying to sell you a playbook. I'm not trying to sell you a system. I'm not trying to um, uh, get into the nitty gritty. What I'm trying to do is, like you said, if I want to be a better football fan, I want to be smarter about it. How do I learn about defense? I try and make big, broad looks at things and then explain and tell you how these things work and then why they are working or not working. So uh, again, you can find me on match quarters on any social media. I'll definitely have links in the show notes for today for all of Cody's stuff. So if you want to keep up with it and you didn't write that down, go to the show notes for today and, and click on the links and you can keep up with Cody and follow his work. All right, let's get to the tough stuff here. Let's talk about what the bills are going to do on Sunday or what they should try to do, at least through, you know, your opinion here. What do you like? What do you like about what the Bills have going on defensively from a scheme perspective, from a personnel perspective, and the options that exist to, to match up? And then on the other hand of that, like what, what are the concerns? I think anytime you play a system like this uh, is that if you have a defensive line that can, and can get disruption, it doesn't matter um, whether you're running the flex bone or you're running the, the Uber spread, right? Anything in between. If you have a D line that can, that can create problems up front, uh, you're going to you're going to probably win more than more than more than not. Uh, I look at it too, like uh, what Georgia has done at the high school. I mean, at the college level of building a defensive line that is powerful enough that we can add that extra guy into coverage. So when I can have seven defenders in coverage, the numbers are on my side. It's a simple math problem, right? The offense can only send out five guys. If I have seven, I can double two of their main guys. And then we just hopefully we can handle that or I can cut off certain valves. If I can handle that with four guys up front, it really alleviates a lot of the issues. And then when we do get into those situations where I know I can blitz, then I'm going to take an, an opportunity to do that. I thought the Broncos blitz too much. I think that you get in a tendency where it's things aren't going right. Let's just blitz in. Let's blitz into it. What I have found in, in systems like this, that they look, they're looking for space. When you blitz, you void space. Uh, and so if you go, you look at the Patriots, you go look at the Chargers, their blitz rates were around 25 to 30, which is about right. That's where you want it. You want to be able to send pressure on certain downs. But for the most part, you don't want to send a whole bunch of pressure. And I think that to me is where I think the Bills have an advantage 
from any anybody that they've played so far yet, I think the Bills have the best front four that can handle it. I also like their linebackers. I think they have athletic linebackers. And, and why is that key? Because you have athletic running backs. They're going to have to be able to match up with the running backs in this in the in the coverage. Um, and I like both of their I like both of their running backs. They play a, a lot of nickel, um, which to me it matches up with this. You're going to have to play nickel, regardless of what personnel is on the field. You're going to have to play nickel, uh, and I think that to me those three things right there. The Bills are comfortable in their packages. They have good second level defenders, and then their D line is probably the best that the Dolphins have seen so far. Well, that's encouraging. Speed at linebacker, living in nickel, and a disruptive defensive line. Those are true characteristics of what the Bills have shown us through three weeks here as Sean McDermott has taken over this defense fully from Leslie Frazier. And so that's good. What are your concerns? I mean, obviously, we've we've been through the scheme and what all the problems that Miami presents. But when you think about the Bills defense specifically, what about the makeup of the scheme, the makeup of the roster is uh, giving you some cause for concern here? I think what I think you got to really decide how you're going to play your nickel. I, I, you know, who's your third safety going to be? Do you trust that third safety? You know, looking at it, are you going to have Rap down there? Are you going to have Hamlin down there? Who's going to be playing? Are you going to have to move a guy? I think people don't. It's football is not Madden, so you can't just say a guy, "Hey, we have this guy." We're just going to move him here because he has the skill traits. And then it's just, it works because I just moved the guy. It's not like a a puzzle piece. I just move it. Uh, You have to, then what are the matchups here? Can he handle being near the box? Uh, Can he handle defending the tight end? Or what are we going to ask him? Who do we want cutting off Tyreek Hill on the other side? Do we want it to be high? Do we want it to be poor? Do who do who want, do we want to play high? Uh, how, what are the corner matchups? What are we going to do when Tyreek Hill's outside? What are we going to do when he's in the slot? If Waddle plays, well, how are we going to match up with that? So to me, I think if, if there's one area of concern, it's just that nickel position Who's going to play it? What is the plan to keep them clean uh, in the run game? How are they going to kind of, like I said, mitigate the risk of having that guy? Uh, So to me, you know, Taron Johnson, that's your nickel right now. How are those matchups near the box going to play out? Yeah, what's interesting about Taron Johnson, obviously a great nickel corner, but even early in the season against the Jets, there's this belief that Taylor Rapp was going to have a bigger role on the defense, and he played some against the Jets in the A-gaps, and they took Taron Johnson off the field, and I think they realized that maybe that wasn't their best choice. But you know, perhaps leaning into Taylor Rapp in different ways this week is is something that could be helpful for uh, the Bills on defense. The question that I have on my mind this week is, what does Mike McDaniel want you to do, right? And you, you kind of alluded to that at one point in the conversation, and I made a note that I wanted to come back to it. But when you consider about you know Mike McDaniel, what does he want you to do? I want to see if I could figure out the answer to that and then not give him that. You mentioned getting into two high looks, um, but what is it? What is the, what is the objective here for Mike McDaniel, and, and how do you not fall into what he wants you to do? Well, I think he wants you to blitz. Uh, I think I think you saw that with the Broncos. I, I think he wants you to blitz. I think he wants you to avoid zones. I think he wants you to get in areas where you're you're cutting them off. If you're gonna if they can see that it's coming from one way, they're gonna run the opposite. If they feel like there's a void in his zone, they're gonna put a player there. 
and I think that their their timing, the way that they're able to get the ball out, is so much quicker than a lot of other teams. We are not seeing large vertical column routes. This is not an offense that has like uh, a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase, where uh, or even like you go the Buccaneers with a Mike Evans, where I'm literally launching the ball down the field. I'm trying to get in jump ball situations. We've got to be able to protect seven step drops. Uh, you know, to me, I think what they're trying to do is I'm trying to get them into space. Our deep shots are when we've created it off of movement and you voided an area and we're going to put the ball there and let our guy go run underneath of it. Or we get in isolation. I'm going to let him run across the field, get a head start. I just have to throw him open. Uh, to me, they're not throwing contested balls down the field. If I was the Bills, that's what I, I would try early to control with the front, be timely with pressures. I think, too, if you look at who the Bills have on the D-line, you don't necessarily want those edge rushers dropping into coverage. So you don't want to become a really big sim pressure team. The problem when you become and, – and people don't talk about it. Sim pressures are sexy because – they're kind of new in terms of a hot topic. They've been around for a while, but they're kind of new in terms of a hot topic of how to defend the spread. The problem you get with these, these creepers and these sims, these replacement pressures, is that you're sending a second-level defender into a gap. They're coordinated cutoffs for runs. The problem that you get, though, is a lot of times these edge rushers, you create a soft edge in the run game. And when you play a team that likes to hit outside, whether it's through crack toss, outside zone, uh, some of these windback zones that they, they they try and do, you create these soft edges. Uh, and so to me, you get into – it's really a chess match. And again, when I go back to your question about where are the Bills – can really help themselves it's in that front four and there's not a special coverage there's not a special matchup it's can we control the line of scrimmage with the front four can we get two off the point can we at least get some negative plays and if we can do that and we can keep them behind the chains and we force Tua to throw down the field which he's not that great at if we can do that then we've got a chance to win the Bills have this good formula on defense. Right now, they have the lowest blitz percentage in the NFL, but the highest sack percentage. You want to yes. live in that world. That's a great spot to be. The Dolphins are living in a good world offensively as well, where they have the fastest time to throw, 2.2 seconds. Crazy fast. Two is getting the ball out of his hands. But also the average depth of targets, like number one in the NFL as well. So they are getting the ball out quick, and they're getting the ball reasonably down the field, but also – you know, two is not really facing any pressure. And so how do you like reconcile that? How do you affect the quarterback when he's getting the ball out so quick? He's throwing to his first read over 80% of the time, another unheard of metric. Like, how do you disrupt that? I think you have to win inside. You have to take advantage of the guards. I think the matchups, and I think that's where, I think that's where I feel like the bills are, are going to be pretty good. You know, Ed Oliver's a really good three technique. He can rush from a three technique. Um, I think to me that matchup on guards getting able to maybe even move some guys around get into some different fronts to just get guys on these guards get into his face make him have to move off the point because like you said it, he's not getting moved off his point he's not working to the he's not working to the next read they are they understand where your coverage rotations are going to be 
they've seen a lot of static coverage. And what I mean by that is with the Chargers, they saw a lot of man. They knew exactly what they were going to get. They can do a pre-snap shift and figure that out relatively quickly. Then you go with the with the Patriots. They knew they were going to get a lot of what I call three hash, where they're dropping the safeties down on the hash. They're getting a lot of cover two, Tampa. So they kind of had an idea. Tua, all he's got to do is watch one of the safeties. He's figured it out. If both, if all the safeties stay high, I know I got Tampa. If one of the safeties go down, I'm getting some sort of a cover three. So it's like I, it's a quick read, then boom, I know where the space is. Um, and I think that's that's where as the bills have to be disguising coverages, you know, not but not doing it in a way that you give yourself you give yourself away and you give up space in a certain area. I think winning inside is going to be key. Get that pressure into his face, make him have to get off his mark, make him have to get to a second or his third read. Anything that you anticipate from the bills? I mean, your knowledge of Sean McDermott, what the bills have on defense. Is there anything like we've talked about maybe the different ideas and stuff, but anything very practical from the bills that you're anticipating them showing McDaniel on Sunday afternoon? I do think that you're going to see a lot of a lot of too high shell, but I do. And, and then post snap movement. I think you're going to see they're going to try and invite you, invite you into some runs, try and get you again. I, again, you want. I know it sounds crazy because of what they did against Denver, but you do kind of want them to run the ball. Uh, and the way that I always liken that is we know passing is more efficient than running. It just is. We know that through analytics. But a five-yard run is a five-yard run. A five-yard pass in this offense could be a 50-yard touchdown. Yeah. So to me, you don't want them throwing the quick ac- access shots. You want them running the ball. You want to try and contain them in the box, and you want to let your linebackers eat. And I think that – that is what you want. You're also seeing in this, and this is, you're not seeing a lot of stunting. So it, it's a lot of gap control. I think a lot of people in the NFL have figured that if we move, we're doing exactly what they want. We're, cre- we're creating space. So we, we want to be able to control the inside, box with the edges, hold up there. I think the Bills have a big physical line. Um, and I think that if you if you use that to your advantage and you use some different post snap movements and coverages, a timely blitz here too, uh, maybe a simulated pressure, get uh, Leonard Floyd uh, back into some some coverage, cutting crosses with this big big long reach. I think you can do that, but that's not going to be part of the main game plan. Yeah, they they certainly were timely with some of that against Washington, but they'll have to be even more choosy against the Miami Dolphins, who present a world of problems with this offense. Cody, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I kept you double the time that I told you I wanted you to. So appreciate you coming in prepared, sharing your expertise. And everybody, please check out Cody's work and uh, become a a better football fan because you're going to know the game more in depth. Cody, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, folks, a big thank you to Cody Alexander for stopping by and sharing his thoughts on what to do about this Miami Dolphins offense. I've really enjoyed this conversation and enjoying our coverage of Dolphins Week so far. We did crossover Thursday. We have this, and next is going to be my full primer of Bills versus Dolphins. I'm going to plot the plan for the Bills to get a win and really break down that Dolphins team from every angle. And then, of course, we still have our Saturday episode, final thoughts, injury update, and my five predictions for the game. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.